Welcome to the latest episode of the Brush Builders Union podcast. I'm your host and general president of the Brush Builders Union, Simon Berman. This month, I'm joined by the one and only Andrew Bailey. You may know him as Faulty or Mod Faulty from back in the day on the Privateer Press forums. These days, you might know him better as Iron Beak Mercenaries on Instagram. And uh, he's a good buddy and a member of the Brush Builders Union. So how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? Uh, too hot, like we've been talking about for the last few minutes. But yeah, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm all right. We, we won't complain about the weather for everybody to hear. They can come on Discord and ask me how I feel about it if they really want to. That's what people tune in to the Brush Wilders Union podcast for, the weather. Yeah, not even the weather, but like my opinions about the weather that I'm experiencing at least 24 hours before the podcast is even released. Yeah, no, that's a solid, that's a solid draw. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, it's not cool. Let me tell you how hot it actually is. <laughs> yeah. Let's not do any of that. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> for people who may not know... Um, you know, you've been involved in hobby games for well, much longer than I've known you even, which is quite a while now. But, um, you know, one of the big things you're known for in hobby circles is kit bashing and conversions. And I'm really stoked to talk about that. I've got you finally doing some kit bashing for me. I can't wait to get my hands on some of the Necromunda stuff. Um, but you're also really involved in the, the Siege of Peck Invasion. So just, just to go back to, to basics, how'd you get started in hobby? Yeah, so I actually kind of came into hobbying fairly later. Uh, I Probably my second or third year in college. Uh, I, some guys I worked with, um, did some hobby stuff. Um, and my only exposure to it before that had been, uh, well, you know, Alex Lewis, uh, I yeah, went to high course. school with him and, and, and he, uh, he would occasionally do stuff. Um, but you know, it, there wasn't a game store in the town I grew up in. It wasn't really anything that I ever, uh, really got involved in. And then I guess, yeah, I 20, 21, um, Went to a game shop. Uh, first minis I bought was the Tau, not even Tau Empire, the Tau uh, starter box. Oh, wow. Uh, opened it up, and I was like, yeah, I don't know about all that. Um, and then I think I sold it, except <laughs> for the Crute, because they looked easy to build. Um, and I guess, yeah, that was the start of it. I, I like the fact that you, you got into hobbying because of the Crute that you saw as easy to build. Well, it was simple, right? You're like, well, you got legs, yeah. arms, no, I, I get chest it. done. Now, you know, you make things as complicated as you possibly can for yourself on purpose. <laughs> well, primarily actually, with the crew. <laughs> actually, I didn't even, um, I didn't actually sell that towel box. I traded it for five Jess Goodwin classic metal Arbitase models. And oh, that's, that's cool. where that sort of mini obsession came from. And now I think I've got like 20 pounds of them in the closet, which is not as many as you would imagine. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. So, did that become a a, a lifelong uh, love affair with the crew, or did you return to them later? Yeah. So, I guess you know, in college, I guess kit bashing back then. I'm sure there were people, but um, as I said, I didn't really know anyone that did it. So, my only exposure to it would have been um, on the occasion that I saw someone else's White Dwarf magazine, and um, you know, there was some spread in there where somebody had converted something. Um, like uh, I can't remember the guy's name. Maybe Marco Schulze, who uh, was famously did the High Fleet Moloch, um, invented that scheme. He, you know, back in the day, did some painting for Ford World and GW. Um, he had a fully converted crude army, which I thought was the coolest thing in the world. And I was like, I'm gonna convert. And I like, I think I put a pistol in one of their hands, and I was like, Ha ha! I'm a kit basher. Um, <laughs> and it looked horrible, but it was, you know, that was sort of the first step. Um. And I think that really was the first thing that opened my eyes where I was like, I don't care what's 
on the cover of the box, I can make whatever ideas in my head. Um, and usually, at least in my mind, that was a cooler thing. Sure. Uh, but, you know, it it took a very long time before I could get what I what I was imagining in my head into actual reality. Um, and, you know, that comes from just seeing other people do it. Uh, a million free online tutorials. Um, don't get me into my opinions on everything going behind a Patreon uh, paywall. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I say to the brush rules, you, but it's different, you know, like, like individual hobbyists now, you know, Hey, if you want to see my, uh, you know, sure. how to clip something off a sprue. I mean, also, you know, our podcast goes out to the world, right? Like the, the yeah. patrons get it first, but everybody else gets it three days later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I guess that's really where it started. Um, I think the first, I remember it. The first thing I saw that I was like, Holy cow was Dave Taylor. I think made that 40 K train. Oh yeah, of course. If you remember that, like the, the, the train engine. And that's the first thing I was like, I have no idea what kits that's even from. Um, and then like spending, God, I don't even know, months just staring at like, oh, I know where that piece is from. Oh, I know where that piece is from. Um, and then, yeah, I guess in like 2008, 2008, nine, I actually, actually put together my first real army. Um, and it was uh, the old third or fourth edition Andy Chambers Crute Mercs list. First army for any game. And it was very minorly uh, converted. But, you know, that was a, sort of all the chicken guys. And I sure. took it to, like, the first Bell of Lost Souls Con. And, like, yeah, I think that was 2008. Yeah, and then I put it in a box. Um, or, no, it was, it was the second one. The first one I took those metal Arbites. And I took it to that. And then that was 2009. And I... Uh, had just moved to, from San Diego to Washington, D.C., and I put them in a box, and then I didn't touch them again for like 10 years. <laughs> um, Fair. And that was uh, that was me uh, dabbling in 40K and not coming back, I guess, 8th or ninth edition yeah, then uh, was when I started the back up. After that, right? Yeah, uh, and the War Machine was all, the, you know, the San Diego guys. Um, that was the big game out there, so I started playing it. Um, and I guess that's how I met you. Like everyone else in the world, I met a bunch of gaming people through Ross. Um, of course. Of course. Um, and was really into that. Um, you know, I think mostly for the community part, so many people in DC played it at sure. the time as well um, and getting to travel around for that. Um, but I I did always lament that it wasn't a really, it was never, and this is not like a strike against War Machine. It's a, it's a great game for a bunch of reasons, I guess, but it was never a game that really, really heavily focused on the hobby aspect, especially the like conversion aspect. Um, yeah, I, I, a lot of that was metal because it was you know metal and monopose for a lot of things, and uh, but it just wasn't like in the soul of the game the same yeah, way. Yeah, and I, I think I think that had a lot to do with the fact that you know the game is so um, precise in its rules and its presentation mm -hmm. of models that it, you know that I did. There were some cool conversions. I did see some rad stuff over the years of my time you know working at Privateer. By and large, people were more concerned about, you know, making sure that the model was presented in such a way that they and their opponent both knew exactly what it was and what its capabilities in the game would be. And that definitely can stifle creativity when it comes to uh, conversions to some degree. Exactly. And, and being, you know, a game played with a chess clock, right? you got to be able to not just know what it is, but know what it is oh, yeah, instantly, sure. right? Um, and a minor change, though, oh, that's an ironclad chassis, but he's got a sword. Oh, so he's not an ironclad. He's a right. stormclad or whatever, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, even a weapon change changes the entire model. Um, yep. And so, you know, I did do some 
some fun conversions. I, I've got, you know, the Gator gents that all wore ball gowns and top hats. Oh, yeah. They'd eaten everybody on the, uh, on the riverboat. Um, and actually that riverboat, I made a riverboat. I made like a, uh, display board. Um, but I don't, I, you know, like display boards, another thing, very, very Warhammer, it just not yeah. really a thing. Um, in war machine. Um, and that's something I always sort of missed, which is why I, I really did, I guess when, whenever it was in 2016, 17, maybe when I picked back up 40 K, um, the idea was to finally actually be like, no, I'm going to make a completely fully converted crude army that, that I would always dreamed of. Um, and, uh, not just the first love thing, but what, you know, one of the things I've always really liked about crude is between the lore of them, uh, traveling around, getting paid in loot, uh, fighting for anybody in the galaxy that would hire them, uh, which is almost everyone except, you know, NIDs or something. Um, between that and the fact that they've got that sort of evolutionary biology, pretty much anything you can think of as a crude conversion could could theoretically happen. Sure. Um, so it's really sky's the limit there. So was was the the whole? I mean, there's there's a whole movement around converting um, crew for you know siege of pagels. Was, was that some sort of in place before you came along, or did you come along afterwards? I mean, what, what was your relationship with all of that? So that start. So siege of patch sort of started as, um, you know, you've seen a lot of the shared sort of setting things like the, especially the Inquisition twenty eight crowd is it does yeah. that a lot, which is really cool, like Galita forty k etc. So it sort of came up as that idea. I think it was uh, that crude guy and modern synthesis on Instagram um, sort of came with this idea of uh, let's have this shared setting to explain why there were four of us all playing converted crude armies at Adepticon um, 2020. Uh, well, come to find out that didn't happen, unfortunately, but that was that was that sort of initial impetus um, yeah. for the team tournament. What's the common theme that unites all of you? Oh, well, uh, this high fleet, uh, a splinter of high fleet Moloch. You know, shout out to the OG, um, broke off and, and was flying to Petch and so, or Peck, whatever. Um, and uh, they they put out a call. So even the crazy, you know, across the galaxy guys that are half robots hear this and their ancestral homeworld is being attacked and, and they all fly back to fight. So they are all crude, but they're all being run as different armies um, and different, uh, you know, different roles, different visual themes, but all being crude. Um, and so... We actually got enough interest in that to have a second team originally that was supposed to go. Um, then it, it, it didn't go because Adepticon didn't happen last year. Right. Uh, rightly so uh, because of, you know, COVID. And, um, you know, we just sort of opened it up more like, is there more of a community out there than we know of? Would other people want to? And if it was, if it's going to happen in 2021, um, which, you know, even then I sort of gave like a 50-50 shot, but we sort uh-huh. of used that to, to uh, gin up interest in it. Um, and I think at one point we almost had enough for, you know, five, five and a half teams that would have gone, um, all being crude, all sort of sharing in this, this, uh, this theme of that, that sort of shared setting. Um, and so, so that was neat. And sort of a, a much broader uh, hashtag you'll see is uh, crude vasion. Uh-huh. Which is really just anything you want to do with crude. It's it's sure. it, it's easier to type than crude naissance, but that that was a sort of the, the theme of it. I said, I, I think uh, Modern Census described it as a love letter to a twenty year old kit. Um, sure, and, you know one of GW's most original races they've come up with, um, and just yeah, see what you can do. And you know, last I looked, there's 
2300 2400 posts using that hashtag yeah um, it's huge i love seeing it when it's i'll see a post on it from someone that i don't follow and doesn't follow me and they're across the world and i'm like well there you go that's cool um because it really is there's so many so many talented hobbyists that have so many takes on it um and i've said this before one of the things i love seeing is you know i've been fooling around with these guys since 2005 and seeing a ton of different armies that people have done over the years and i'm still seeing something new all the time um people coming up with new ideas not even just for new conversion kits but um even just new takes on on a generic crew kit um so that's always exciting to see uh, where people take you know an army or a kill team or um you know a necromunda mercenary or whatever it is yeah absolutely i mean I really love this kind of stuff that these sort of like, you know, shared like micro worlds in the 40k things. One of the biggest strengths of, of Warhammer 40,000 is that their universe is so big and the aesthetic is really so well defined at this point <clears throat> that it's really possible for, you know, a few creative people or even a single creative person to come up with their own like twist on it that still makes sense in the universe and is still, you know, part of that, that lore and setting and world, but it's very uniquely their own and what kind of lets you put your own stamp on, you know, it, it, at least a small corner or, you know, the, the, the siege of patch creation is pretty big at this point. Um, so, you know, what, what are some of like the, how did you, how did you guys go about sort of you know, finding your corner of the 40 K world and building it out? Um, well, you know, I think a lot of it came down to, uh, you know, in my case being like, I, I've got to be one of the only people out here um, making a crude army. Um, I know years and years ago, there was like the, uh, the completely crude forums, um, but that was never terribly big. Um, and I think, you know, there's a lot of downsides to social media, but Instagram is a kind of a fantastic hobby uh, platform because it's, it's so, it's all visually based, right? Sure. Um, now it is harder to, you know, do conversational sort of elements that you might find on, you know, Twitter, discourse, Discord, um, but it is really open. So, you know, just perusing and seeing like, oh, there's, you know, hashtag crude, there's other people with crude on here. Um, and just really just shooting, shooting the uh, DM and being like, Hey, uh, so, uh, you know, do you have a whole army on here? Uh, you know, other people I s knew from say DACA or through the old forums, uh, people I found on, you know, Facebook groups being like, Hey, you know, we've got this hashtag on, on Instagram, uh, and it's kind of anything you want to do, you know, hop on there. There's a, it's slowly and, and steadily from like, I don't know, I guess four of us up to, a couple thousand posts um you know people find it i guess intuitively they pull up crude they see maybe look look at the bottom they see crude invasion on it and say well what's that you click it and it's just you just start scrolling and um kind of see any sort of crude under the sun yeah um but but it's like you said you know it's actually it's always been one of my favorite things about 40k um you know warhammer generally but especially 40k as you say the universe is enormous the, the game exists in a galaxy that's got tens of thousands of habitable worlds. Um, and, you know, even though humans are the quote-unquote dominant race, or orcs, if you're an orc player, um, we can debate if, if the nids are actually the dominant race, but it, there's still hundreds and hundreds of other uh, Xeno species out there, and the galaxy is huge. You know, the, the entire Tau Empire barely shows up on a galaxy map, right? And it's a whole faction in the game, so... Um, or, you know, gene stealer cults, great example. Where, where exactly are they on a map? I don't know. They could be anywhere. Your army could literally be uprising on any planet 
in the in the galaxy and it always makes sense so it's really easy to like find your corner stake stake out your space and really do whatever you want um and generally it feels like it fits um as long as you know you're not using gundams um you mean tower. fire <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but it really, you know, if you stick the aesthetic as you say, it's so well defined, it's it's easy to 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 build into it and still be able to put your own little spin on it. Um you know, my my initial guys were for for this army were really just Skitari with crude legs, crude arms and crude heads. And they looked, you know, they were identifiably crude, but they looked definitely different from any crude I had ever seen. I was like, there you go. Sure. Or the 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 steel scarred, right? The the Sicarian guys. Well, they're crude, but their lower legs have been cut off, and they've got big springy feet. Um, and they wield a sword and the machine pistol. I like, oh, I hadn't seen that before. Um, uh, and that and that was obviously before crude Bayesian, so it's a lot easier to be original back then because. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So when you're coming up with new stuff for your your crude army. Do you find that you're more, do you going to go, I want to make a unit that has swords or I want to make a melee unit or is it more often that you find a cool bit and you're like, I want to make a unit or a model that uses this piece? Um, it really is both of those. Uh, I sort of, I guess I have three sort of ideas when building. Um, you know, the first is since I am trying to build a whole army, I'll say, okay, I need Skitari, right? I need Sicarians. Um, okay, well, how am I going to go up building that? Or actually, um, just, just to mention really quick, you're kind of you're kind of doing a count status thing with your army, correct? Yeah, um, I think since about third or fourth edition, maybe fifth. I don't know how long the apocalypse list lasted, um, but if you want to do anything really interesting with crew, you kind of have to have to go counts as some other army, mm-hmm. um, especially as you know, crew have taken up less and less space in the Tau Codex, and sure, uh, I think in the most recent edition, they've really just sort of pushed them almost entirely aside, given them, made them so cheap and have so little presence on the board. You, you don't have to worry about it unbalancing anything. You just sort of toss, toss it away. Um, a far cry since the apex unit in Dawn of War was, you know, the, the greater Narlock. Uh-huh. Um, and so, you know, I use, uh, the, I, I count my army as Adeptus Mechanicus um, for a lot of reasons. Um but I think, you know, very popular is obviously, say, Catachans or Gene Stiller Colts because of how the army actually plays. Um, you know, various sorts of Eldar, especially Dark Eldar. Uh, again, I think, you know, when you think about crew being, you know, fast, agile, hit really strong, not incredibly tough unless you're doing, you know, orc hybrid crew. And so a lot of people will use orcs, uh, Codex orcs to do it. Uh, but it's really about finding, you know, th- what best in your mind will play the way your the army you're creating um, feels, sort of feel right when you're playing it. Um, and also so that you can make really cool things. Uh, you know, is that going to be a giant monster? What, well, how what is that giant monster going to be? And, and how would you put it on the board? Um, how many really big bases are you allowed to have in that army? Because, you know, then you get to make more big monsters. Sure. Um, and so, you know, I picked Admech for a few reasons. One, it was very new when I started. Um, so there wasn't a huge model range, so I didn't feel overwhelmed with selection. Sure. Um, you know, there's, you know, I think there was one, two, two heavy, uh, heavy choices, like one or two fast attack choices, maybe two, a uh, yeah, few elite choices, yeah. and 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 four, four uh, troops choices, and each of those were really uh, in that initial wave. What it really was was two units you could build from the same box. So those two types of yep. Skitari, 
two types of um, cataphrons, et cetera. Uh, but what made that really also appealing to me is that it's a countess army. And yeah, GW is very, always has been very open and permissive of that, uh, f- probably far more than any other game. But that also makes it a lot easier for me to explain it to an opponent, right? I don't want to actually play a game uh, as if I get to do that a lot. But, you know, if yeah. I'm going to play a game, um, I want it to be easy for my opponent to see. So that's sort of one of the strict restrictions I put on myself building is if I'm going to build a unit, I want to at least use some of what the unit of, of the actual kit in that in building that unit. So sure. like the Skitari, right? Give them, give them cloaks and the Skitari weapons and that's what they're doing. And the other thing that's easy to explain is because, uh, especially until recently, um, when it came to base size, you know, there, there, were, there were two units, basically uh, two flavors of Skitari on a 25mm base. On a 32mm base, you had two different types of Electro Priest. 40mm was two types of Sicarians, uh, you know, and, and so on. And so basically each unit size, if somebody knew anything about Admech, they could just look and say, oh, yeah, well, these guys on 25mm, well, they're obviously Skitari because that's the only thing that comes on that. Um, so that's, that's been nice. And, you know, it's kept me interested over the last few years because they, they've sort of had this slow, steady trickle of releases. Uh, so it's not so much that I get too far behind, um, but it is enough to, to always have a new project. Sure. Um, and they're also a relatively balanced army. Like, you know, they've got guys that are all stabby, stabby, and they've got guys that are pew, pew. Um, they can kind of do a bunch of different things and they have a ton of different special characters, um, and I really enjoy making individual characters. Uh, units can be fun, um, but I have no interest in building like a 50 Skitari army or a 100 Skitari army because that sounds dreadful. Uh, <laughs> just to be perfectly honest. Also probably um, expensive in terms of sorting parts. Probably. Yeah. Uh, probably. Uh, but, you know, I view... Uh, a lot of models, especially characters, it, you know, it, you're always storytelling. It's all visual storytelling, right? Because otherwise we just play video games or we'd use cardboard cutouts and, and pictures right. that someone else drew and, and print them out flat. Um, so, you know, I always view each model in terms of what story is this guy? What is this guy doing and what story does that tell? Um, and I don't know if that's my background in theater or what coming through. I don't know, but... Um, I, I, that's one of the reasons I really like making special characters, you know, not just, uh, for my army, um, but for other people, whether it be commissions or, um, whatever it is, uh, sort of coming up with the essence of the character and then, okay, well, how would I pose this character? What, what, what would this character have? Um, you know, you mentioned, or maybe you didn't, maybe that was before we started recording, but, um, I've been working on some Necromunda commissions for you recently. Yeah. I'm stoked um, to get them. And those are so great because they, they give you a, you know, a little fluff snippet. They give you a stat line. Um, and that's kind of it for a lot of some, you know, every like yeah, sure. I think one in nine of them, there's some art, but it's really, you know, here's this go to town because it's such a narrative game and such a narrative setting. Um, and then, you know, I really sort of puzzle over a model thing of different ideas. And then I come up with, you know, the prize fighter guy for you. I'm like, okay, so it's supposed to be bare knuckle, but what's, what's more 40 K shouldn't he have like, a big exosuit and big punchy fists. Um, they can barely hold yeah, up. What, what without... does bare knuckles mean in the 41st millennium, right? <laughs> I mean, no, he doesn't have power fields on them, but they're, you know, big pneumatic fists. But at the same yeah. time, yeah, he's still shirtless because, you know, he's a boxer. Um, 
and uh, and then going with you know the that old timey twenties looking boxer sort of pose, like one hand out, one hand back. Uh-huh. Uh huh. He's awesome, looking goofy. Um, and like that, you know, I I, I have a lot of fun. My wife will will often know when I am modeling because I'll be downstairs like laughing about something. And she's like, what are you, <laughs> what are you laughing about? I'm like, oh, I just figured out how I'm going to do this, and it's hilarious. Um, which is another thing I really like about the 40k setting uh, and the fantasy setting is. You know, it's satire and it's grimdark, but it's all ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's that's the joy of 40k, right? Is that you know, it, if you take it too seriously, it's 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 it kind of falls apart under its own weight. But you know, it's inherently ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like there, and, there's just, there's so much black comedy built into almost every part of it. Exactly, and, and that's I think that ties in really well to, and you can take that that humor, that comedy, and you don't have to be orcs; it doesn't have to be slapstick. But you can take that and, and put that wherever you want to, um, whether it's, you know, Dark Eldar scheming so hard they stab themselves in the back or, um, you know, orcs just looking for a good scrap to get literally to get teeth from someone else. And that shows you're prosperous because you can knock the teeth out of another orc. Right. Like it's, it's absurd. Um, and when you really embrace it, I think that's what what some of the best models I've ever seen for 40K are is really just leaning into that. Yeah, I mean, just just make it comically bleak at some point, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, and, you know, to circle back to Crute uh, and characters, I've actually sort of run out of... I wouldn't say run out, because I've always got more ideas. But sort of, as I run out of things to add to my army, I actually started, if you look up the hashtag, Ironbeak Envoy, um, other Cruiters out there who have Crute armies as part of the Siege of Petch, or Peck, sorry, um, old habits until a British guy was like, oh, it's Peck, like a bird. I'm like, of course it is. Again, <laughs> the inherent comedy, right? The bird races, home planet is called Peck. Um, but, so I started this Iron Beak Envoy thing, which is basically, you know, making one-off characters for other people's uh, crude armies, um, with the idea being that, you know, the Red King, Lord of the Iron Beaks, is sending out envoys to all the crew across the galaxy to get them to come fight on Peck, right? And so um, it really just lets me build a model that is, you know, looks like an Iron Beak, uh, but I really try and tailor it to that person's army um, and, and and sort of build shared narrative in there. Um, and, and I've been able to make a lot of really fun stuff there that, you know, has no place in my army. And I'm sure my wife is very grateful that they're not taking up space on our shelves as well. Um, but, you know, I think I've built... Uh, almost 20 of them now. Um, And they really let you sort of explore, you know, other things that, and that's, again, that's what I really like about say these Necromunda commissions or um, some others I've got for, you know, ink 28 style settings where it's like, okay, I can build these, like take a snapshot in this one little setting and sort of imagine what would it be like if, if some of these, if I built some characters here, Uh, but I don't have to commit to a whole army of it or a whole kill team of it. Sure. No, that's, that's, that's a great way to sort of, you know, keep your creative juices flowing and not be totally burnt out on a single project, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So do you, do you see a, a, a horizon where you're working on a big project that isn't crude? Is there something else that you might get into? Um, well, I've always said that once I was finally done with the Iron Beaks, I'd build a not-counts-as Mechanicus army because I really do think they're just so rad. They um, are great models. They're right? anachronistic and they look cool. Um. But, you know, in terms of army scale projects, uh, 
yeah, I, I don't really have a, a huge need for another army. I barely use one I have. Sure. Uh, you know, I, I've got one or two infinity, I guess, armies, 20, 30 models, not really an army. Uh, one or two infinity things, but, you know, those usually don't don't uh, convert very much. Uh, one, they're very, very fine detail and they're metal, so that... Sure, yeah. Plus, they always look, you know, pretty much good enough as they are, so I just let that go. Um, I think sort of the upcoming things that I have uh, that are crew but are quite different is, you know, I made a, a big flyer, uh, I guess, back in January, December, January time frame. Um, and I'm once I get through a bunch of characters, I'm really looking forward to going back and building some vehicles. Uh, vehicles are definitely one thing I always missed in um, when I played War Machine and Hordes is, you know, being able to build some big, giant, stupid tank. Sure. Um, and I, I built a few of those for the, the Iron Beaks, you know, the Mecha Narlock and the, 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 the hovercraft that's really a, 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 a human hunting fishing boat. Um, but I've got, I think, the parts for three or four more flyers. Like, really, uh, I mean, they're not really crudy, the cruder, the pilots, but doesn't really show on the outside. The idea is really like a, like a Crimson Skies meets 40K kind of thing. Real anachronistic-looking airplanes. Um, so, you know, looking forward to that. Um, I've got, like, one or two tanks more to build for that. Um, but otherwise, you know, most of what I'm doing right now is, is one-off projects for... Um, a lot of Necromunda. A lot of people like Necromunda. Um, uh, well, the game's just in a great place these days, and you know, it's, it's the best place it's ever been, honestly. So that doesn't surprise me too much. Yeah, there's so much. There's so much depth, of, you know, across the game horizontally. You know, you don't you don't need sixty guys to have everyone in house Goliath, right? right? But yeah, exactly. If if you want to pick up two or three houses and a bunch of hangers on, um, it's really a it's really in a pretty awesome spot for that. Um, I think, um, I think I will be working up an entire, oh, what is it? Uh, do, 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 do. A, a rad chaos slash butcher cult. Interesting. Uh, entire gang for someone, um, sort of, you know, it, out in the wastes, outside of the hive kind of, uh kind of gang so yeah yeah so you know nomadic chaos rad cult that's cool um maybe they worship the radiation you know who knows Uh, but hey i mean would would worshiping the radiation would that be worshiping nurgle or would that be the god of change and Mm. you know i'm not really sure on that yet important questions i I mean i go i go zine just because i feel like nurgle is the easy out for converted stuff these days yeah yeah and i have Less, less, and less patience every day for waiting for big blobs of green stuff to to cure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so maybe Zinch is the is the optimal uh, course there. Uh, yeah. So actually, let's let's talk about about your your sort of you know kit bashing philosophy. By and large, is it is it do you mostly just do kit bashing, or do you do you find yourself doing a lot of of sort of necessary sculpting as part of it? Uh, it you know it really depends on the the model. Um, I've done. I wouldn't say I'm a very good sculptor. Uh, I've watched enough modern synthesis videos to, you know, get some basics down. Um, but a lot of what I work on is usually more by, bio- it may be biomechanical or it'll be, you know, actually mechanical and, and artificial. So you don't, need, I don't feel you need as much uh, sculpting. Um, but, you know, I'll use green stuff as needed. I use uh, Milliput fairly extensively 
um, at least for basing, uh, to give you know a real built-up, organic-looking some you know, thing that something's standing on. Um, definitely use green stuff to fill out details where a bit that I have doesn't quite, you know, it doesn't actually fill the whole space it's supposed sure. to. Um, you know, a, a real go-to of mine is UV hardened resin. Uh, you know, something like Bondic or um, the more caustic stuff you can get off Amazon. Um, that gives that lets you fill three dimensional space. Um, you know, obviously not with any detail, but you can do that. And then instead of waiting for a green stuff blob to fill to cure and fill a space, and then you put bits on it a few hours later, you know, you can just put a little bondic in there, harden it in five seconds, file it down, and then you can keep building on top of it. Um, and so that's that, that's something I use a lot. Uh, but I think it really just depends, you know, you talk about the philosophy. I think it depends on sort of how I'm building and, and what I'm building. Um, I guess I sort of have three ways I build. One is, you know, let me look at this, this thing in my army list and figure out how to make it, uh, which is both the most straightforward and also perhaps not the most fun uh, way to do it. Um, yeah. And then you definitely hit it on the head. I literally will see a bit and, be, and think I'm going to build something using this bit. And uh-huh. I mean, it can be like a part of a cape and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to use that for something um, <laughs> and build a whole model around it. Um, and sometimes I'll literally just start with that bit and start building out. And that's sort of the, the, the third one. And I like to call it iterative building, but I don't know if it has an actual name. And that's where I just sit down and I have no idea what I'm building. But I'll just start by putting two pieces together and go from there. That's and sometimes it ends right? in tremendous disaster. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but sometimes you end up with something good, and you know that's that's the the journey in, in that case is is the most fun thing. And a lot of that is almost you know just exercising the creative part of your brain, right? Like seeing the patterns in the pieces. Um, I have a, I don't see, I don't think I have any sort of eidetic memory, but I do know roughly most of the bits I have, all the thousands of them. And I'm like, oh shit, I have that bit. Yeah, I go dig it out. Uh, <laughs> example, the one on. Um, the Gilder Caravan I built, right? I knew that somewhere in a bits box, I had that like string of miscellaneous imperial paraphernalia and relics and and, and things. And I'm like, yeah, I'm yeah. put that on there. I know I have that. I've had it in that box for 10 years. Uh-huh. I just got to go find the box. <laughs> so here's the are you considering getting a 3D printer for any of this? Because I feel like at this point, there's so many cool bits that are available to print on demand. That could be a pretty good thing to have. You're a pretty serious kit basher. Yeah. So it's definitely a, it's something I would like. Uh, I live in a thousand square foot, uh, you know, row house though. So there's not a ton of space for a thing that spits out <laughs> caustic fumes uh, for a few hours a day. Um, but it's definitely something that I will eventually get. You know, I've got a lot of friends with them. I do use a fairly substantial number of 3D printed bits. Um, I think, you know, there's a lot of focus right now and a ton of attention and money flowing into Patreon and, and such for and, and other places, right? Uh, for fully 3D printed armies uh, for all sorts of games. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's hit or miss. Some of those just, for example, 40K was they just really... It, feel, it feels more 40K adjacent. Like, they didn't quite nail the aesthetic. Yeah, there's, um, there's, there's design beats, and I think people, people have trouble actually hitting them, right? And that's that's why, you know, I think there's always a lot of talk about, like, 3D printing is going to put all the gaming companies out of business. And I'm like, I don't think that's actually true. And, and in addition to that, it's also, 
you know, resin is, especially if it's, uh, you know, an SLA printer, right? Like a, a resin printer. So you've got good detail, but it's extremely brittle and it's actually really hard to work with. So, yeah. you know, almost more so than plastic or, 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 you know, cast resin or even metal, you know, I print that and then I'm relying on someone else's vision and that just doesn't appeal to me. Uh, but yeah, what I, mean, I, I do I really think, like, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, no, please finish. I was going to say, but what I, what I do see huge promise in for, for, 3D printing, what I use a lot is is individual bits yeah. for things that, and you know, I use, say for crew, right? A lot of what I use are are heads and hands. Because, um, you know, there's only uh, was four or five arms, so there's only ten different crew hands and arms out there. That, that That's it, right? Um, and they're all holding rifles, and there's only so many, sorry, one of them is holding a knife, right? So there's only so much you can do with reposing them and making them actually look natural. Um, and so this guy, Felix the crazy on Instagram, actually Felix Teh crazy. Uh-huh. Um, he's got a, you know, he just does all sorts of crew 3d print things and, you know, be hands or heads or, um, you know, a, just a, a gun or, or something like that. And, you know, he puts them all up on um, Thingiverse for free and he prints them for you, you know, on his, on his Etsy shop. And I've got a bunch of those from them because that's, that's something, you know, I could sit there and spend 30 minutes whittling away at this hand and drilling it out and, and getting it right so that I can put, um, you know, a bolt pistol in it. But that sure. saps a lot of time that I don't always have. Uh, and I'm a very fickle, uh, <laughs> I'm a very fickle creative. So if something like that is taking too long, I'll lose the desire to do it and yeah. walk away for like two weeks. No, I get it. Uh, but just being able to be like, Oh, okay, I'm going to put a pistol on this. All right, let me grab this pistol hand, put it on there. All right now, I'm just going to trim down this gun and fit it on there. Done. I I finished it in five minutes. So I can continue with my build progress. Um, I see huge promise in that. Um, and you know, the heads are one example. Um, when I built the the Mechanarlock, I worked with Felix, and he actually designed a crew head that's wearing like a like a World War II Soviet leather tank cap with the goggles and the you know the the, the padded leather and stuff. And then I was like, oh great. Cause I could have sat there and I've done it before and made one of those in green stuff, but I needed like seven Sure. <laughs> and I just didn't have the yeah. desire <laughs> to spend two weeks, you know, <laughs> meticulously sculpting all these little hats. Oof, yeah. Um, so, you know, things like that, I think are, you know, really great uses. Um, I don't want to get in trouble with games workshop or anything, but even really minor things like, Oh, I'm going to 3d print a custom, uh, uh, shoulder pad for my space rings with a custom logo for my custom chapter and it's a tiny little mod but it can really like invest a player or a hobbyist in that army and make oh, yeah. it really uniquely there even if like otherwise it's a, just a bog stock space marine that is just sort of standing in his normal pose yep um i think that's i think that's where they, you know there's so much opportunity for an at-home hobbyist with a 3d printer definitely yeah, I, I think that stuff's really exciting, and I think you know um, the the, te- the technology is only getting better, right? Like, I, mean, I think we're very a very very long way away from being able to like you know, push a button and spit out a space marine, mm-hmm. but for for you know those sort of peripheral um, and extra pieces, it's it's just going to get more and more accessible, and I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um, so here's a question: So if somebody wants to get involved in Siege of Peck, what do they need to do? And is, is it going to be at Denticon 2022? Um, so, you know, that's all TBD, right? Um, sure. we'll, we'll see when Adepticon 2022 is announced and what the details are. Uh, I and several others fully intend to still go. Um, and, you know, whenever Adepticon puts out their information, 
on when that is, I, I assume what we'll do is we'll put out a call on Instagram and maybe on like the Facebook group groups and say, Hey, if, if anybody's interested in going, uh, you know, we just very informally pair people up. Um, uh, you know, it is a Depticon, it is a team tournament. So we try and divide the teams up so that there's no two recruit armies that are playing as the same army on sure. a team. Cause that can confuse opponents. Cause you're always playing in that tournament. As I understand, I've never gotten to go, unfortunately. Um, but you know, you play with one teammate and two opponents every single game. Right. So that, so that's, that's part of it. Um, so, you know, we'll put something out. Uh, I assume a bunch of us will all post the same thing. It'll be like fire festival, right? Except we may actually pull it off. Um, well, I'm going to quote you on that. What a, what a, what probably what a be far look. worse than fire yeah. fest though. <laughs> what a great slope. It'll be like fire festival. <laughs> Yeah, if you want a little bit of uh, confidence in our abilities, it'll be like Firefest. Yeah. Um, Jabu will be involved. Act. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, you didn't know he's a big 40K guy. Yeah, he's actually 3D guy. printing his own crude army from scratch. <laughs> ja knows 3D, man. You don't even know. Um, but, you know, more broadly to get involved with Siege of Peck, um, you know, a bunch of people are involved that, that, that didn't go and... Um, you know, one of the things we wanted to do for it, which obviously has gotten slowed down, but I'm, I'm working on it right now, is one of the, we want to do a Codex Siege of Patch, sort of in the vein of the old, you know, Taros campaign or Codex IFK, yeah, yeah. right? Sort of a mini campaign book of what's going on. Um, and especially that's an opportunity for people that can't go actually to Adepticon, but, you know, uh, people from all over the world sent in, you know, little blurbs about their armies or pictures of their armies and sort of incorporate that into the narrative so that, um, you know, they can feel involved. Um, and then at a much higher level, if you want to get involved with it, the easiest thing to do is just to, if you can find them, cause they're, I think they're still, you know, uh, GW only, but just make some crew, do whatever you want to do with them and, and post it. That crew evasion is very inclusive. It's, I don't think anybody's ever posted something and anyone's ever said, you can't do that with a crew. Um, it's 40 K, right? Oh, you can do anything with crew, except they're not allowed to eat. Uh, Tyranids and Chaos. Why? Well, because that's bad. Okay, well, then your whole army could be, but, and this is the cautionary tale. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> the, the exception that proves the rule. Yeah, sure. Um, just, yeah, just just get involved. Make one model. We There's there's people that have been involved for one single model or a kill team. Uh, there's people that have several different counts as armies that are all uh, fully converted crute. Um, there's a guy I actually recently did a really cinema, I think it's Ecletu miniatures. He did it this like really like, like uh, dark, very in, like uh, I don't even really know how to describe it. Um, but it was sort of this narrative thing of these four different like ultra hyper evolved crude strains that were different monsters, and it sort of it, it was all told from the perspective of like an inquisitor seeing each of these and logging it down in his journal. Um, and at the end, you you find out like oh. Those are your four spriers for this like custom Necromunda scenario. Got it. Um, Super cool. So even stuff like that is, you know, there, there's always some way you can incorporate them. Um, and, you know, even art. There's people that have just done some some really awesome crude art and, and don't even do miniatures. Um, I think it's really just all about pushing that, you know, what I think is, and I think a lot of people would agree, is like a really unique race. Um, that doesn't have a lot of parallels in many other sci-fi settings because um, it isn't, you know, the mindless swarm that makes whatever it needs, evolves whatever it needs as it goes. It's much more the sort of animistic, um, 
you know, nomadic mercenary race that's to them being, being in one place, being static, not eating stronger opponents, uh, is stagnation and that's death for the species. Right. Mm -hmm. So they've, they've sort of got that. Um, and they too are really big on comedy, right? Like it's sort of that dark comedy. I think some of the, some of the fluff talks about, uh, you know, Kroot playing pranks on Tao by, you know, being in say an elevator lift and then just like cranking up their pheromones that they know makes it uh, extremely stinky to a Tao, but the uh-huh. Tao being too polite to say anything about it and just like reveling in the discomfort of the Tao around them. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. But yeah, just make whatever you want, post it. I'm sure I, I will like it at the very least. Um, you know, we have a Discord. I, I never thought we'd have 125 people in a Crute-only hobby Discord, but cool. we do. Uh, and that's wide open for anybody that wants to join it. Um, it's really just about this sort of shared community and this really minor thing. And uh, yeah, I don't know. No, it's fun. great. It's a, it's a cool community. I'm, I think it's really, really exciting to do it. It's, it's even got me thinking about me doing some Crute conversions myself. There you go. That, I'm a see, horrible this, converter and kid the long con. The, yeah. That's the whole point. The whole reason I agreed to come on this was, yeah. was just that. We'll see. It'll probably happen. Cool. Well, all right. Thanks so much for talking to me, man. It was great ch- catching up, and uh, I can't wait to get my Necromunda dudes, and I will definitely be sharing those in the, the Threshold Union Discord and stuff as I start painting them up later, hopefully later this year. Yeah, I really, I really can't wait to see them. Yeah, I'm stoked. All right, dude. Thanks again. Talk to you soon. All right. Thanks. Bye. Brush Builders Union is a community of like-minded miniatures gamers dedicated to playing their games fully painted and supporting one another in their craft. Brush Builders Union is here to help you stay on track with tools and a community of fellow painters to encourage you in your journey. Take the Union Pledge and learn more at brushbuildersunion.com. Mm-hmm.